Whether you're an aspiring music business professional or a seasoned vet, every Thursday, the Music Business Podcast brings you the trends and tactics from some of the world's most innovative minds in music. I'm artist manager and consultant, Jordan Williams. And I'm Sam Heisel, co-founder of the music marketing and content production agency, Knox. We're not teachers. We're entertainment industry professionals, drinkers, wannabe comedians, and most importantly, fans. Welcome to the show. Jordan, what's happening, man? How are we feeling? I'm good, Sam. How you doing, brother? I'm fantastic. I'm very excited. Today we have a very special guest, Mr. Benny Pugh. Benny has a very long, uh, incredible career within the music industry. He's currently the, the CEO of Diverse Media, which is an independent record label distribution company uh, that he's launched after having dec- uh, decades worth of experience in the music industry. He was the, the senior vice president at Def Jam, the executive vice president at Epic Records. He's president of Rock Nation Music. I mean, this guy obviously has a lot of experience in the, the music industry and is now starting to uh, build his own venture, leveraging all of the experience he has being a, an operator and executive at some really, really credible record labels. I mean, we, in the episode, we dive into how he kind of helped sign and develop and promote future and help mask off become the, the hit that it is today. Um, and really, really enjoyed his perspective. What stood out to you, Jordan? Yeah, I mean, you know, when we interview executives, I think one thing that we have to get into at some point is the value system that kind of got them to where they were, which we go into in depth. Um, And also, if they were given the opportunity to learn something that they learned as an executive sooner in their career, what would that be? And I think we get into that into depth, too, as well as what decisions executives have to make. So, you know, this is a special cloth talk episode with Benny Pugh as an executive who's been the executive for years and years. And um, by the end of it, I, you know, I was inspired. Um, I know exactly what to aspire to. And I'm looking forward for people to to feel that same thing by the end of the episode as well. Yeah, 1000%. If you haven't already, one last thing before I jump into the episode, do want to encourage you guys to come take part in the discussion. Um, I have lots of awesome people in the industry and the, in, in our music business podcast discord, sharing different tips, trick news bits, commentary perspectives. So I think it's a uh, really valuable and really grateful for everybody that's currently a part there. So if you haven't already, just go to musicbusinesspodcast.com slash community. You can learn more and sign up there. But without any further ado, Benny Pugh. Benny, welcome to the show, man. How are you doing today? How are you? I'm fantastic. Uh, fantastic as well. That's the spirit. That's the energy we need right now. Um, <laughs> so, so really excited to have you on. I think um, I know you've, you've worked in music for a while, have an exciting venture that we're going to be able to dive into today. Um, but just to, can you just talk a little bit about some of the... What, would you feel like were some of the favorite parts throughout your career, different potentially like inflection points that really helped you progress down the path that you did? What was really important early on for me was was realizing my vision, right? And seeing the exit. So when I started in the business, I realized that what was most important was knowing how I was going to finish, right? And and from day one to the last step of getting to this point. So super excited about learning and delivering and and being a part of, of the future of music. Yeah, for sure. And when it came to some of the different, um, I know you worked at a handful of different labels before you went to start out on your own. I mean, we were even talking about this a, a bit before the show, but before we dive into some of the stuff you've done in the past, we'd love to hear about what was kind of the, the turning point when you decided you really wanted to jump off and start your own thing with diverse media. Wow. I don't think you have enough time. And I think yeah. you're listening, <laughs> you know, like, yo, the focus point now is what, maybe 12 minutes and people might check out, but I'll give it a swing. 
So <laughs> if you think about it, for me, I uh, started in the music industry right out of college, right? I actually fell into music doing comedy, right? And the um, young lady at the time at Motown Records booked me for a show as, as a comedian. And at the end of the show, asked me if, if I wanted to be her intern. And that opened up the door for me when I went down to Motown Records at that point. And I would have a strong sales background. So I came as any other salesperson would in a three-piece suit, wingtips, and anti-shake case. But obviously <laughs> in music, you are super ass corny, right? Because that's not how people show up. Um, long and short, uh, as I started processing her expenses and realized I didn't know what expenses were, and she sat and told me, no, this isn't my paycheck, that uh, the money that you were reconciling for me is all the expenses, the dining, the, the uh, car notes, the um, cable bills, the you know, airfare, train, all of those things were a part of being in um, that the company satisfied. So at that point, I realized, oh, this is what I want to do, right? And, and given the opportunity, uh, once I learned the job was, you know what, um, I love promoting music, right? Because mm -hmm. I started in the business as a promoter, right? In the college promotions department. And that opened up my love for the music business. And one thing led to the next. Uh, stayed at Motown for, for three years. Uh, went to work with Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis at their label called Perspective, right? Stayed there for 364 days. That's Kept it, right? I know exactly, <laughs> right? Um, then went to uh, Arista Record, which was a Rolls Royce of the music business at that point. Like, you know, the artists that were spinning off there were enormous. Whitney Houston being, you know, the biggest staple, Santana, et cetera, et cetera. All of the subsidiaries that were breaking at the point um, between uh, LaFace and Bad Boy and, you know, labels such as that. Um, left there and moved to New York back to New York, got a really big job as the um, vice president of promotions um, for MCA Records. And they moved me out west, which I did a seven-year stint out there and worked some of the artists um, on that label at the time was Shaggy, it wasn't me, um, promoted and marketed <laughs> that. Uh, Casey and JoJo, All My Life, the wedding song of all time. Right. All that I, I was literally just listening to that song with my family over over Christmas break. <laughs> yeah, like, right. Like singing the shit out of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's <a great> song. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, and so I uh, did that in uh, the Roots. Um, you got me, which uh, you know was their first and only one classic man number one record. gave gave them that. Um, the Light with Common, his first and only oh, one man, record. Classic. Right. Right. Um, it's like you're in my playlist right now. Yeah, <laughs> just, and was a part saying. of a lot of the part yeah. of a lot of a, a lot of that that music, the success of it at, at, at that time. I decided to come back um, east when I got the opportunity from Def Jam, um, 2003, um, to run their promotions department. And needless to say, short period of time, management change. La Re walks in the building. And there's an amazing roster signing of talent um, that was brought into the company from uh, Young Jeezy, Rick Ross, Rihanna, Neo, uh, um, to name to name Justin Bieber, to name a few, right? And spent about nine years there working, marketing, and promoting um, their stuff, and stepped into 
Epic Records, right? Where that was the the, the best opportunity for me is to really get into the, the roots and the nuts and the bolts of the businesses because the position that I was given gave me an opportunity not just to be specific in a department, but to actually get purview of of the entire economics and how the decisions and being a part of the decision-making process. And that was my first opportunity um, on a major scale to sign an artist, which Cash Out uh, brought to the label, um, Yo Gotti and, and Future, who was the first billion streaming artist um, in, in Sony history. Um, left there and went to Rock Nation. And um, you know we created uh, equity distribution, um, uh, was a part of, 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 of growing and exposing the music division of the label and decided like, you know what, after all the time that I've spent in the business, it's, it's time for me to now apply myself outside of the corporate structure because corporate has given me a lot of tools that if I, if, if I step out and I get any fraction of, of uh, connection for what's happened in my past, sky's the limit. That's awesome. That's awesome. So I kind of want to dive a little bit deeper into your career at a high level before we get into details. Um, one being that a, l- a lot of people in the music industry aren't in it for a very long time, primarily because it's hard to find success in the music industry for as long as you have. So what are some of the values that you've either learned along the way or had from the beginning that have allowed you to have such a, a, a high level of success for so long? You got to work really hard, right? And, and ultimately, hard work, you will be discovered. It's just like talented artists, someone's going to find them or someone's going to hear about them, right? Because talent prevails. And for me, it was about the discipline of, of making sure that I was going to work outwork all of my, com- my competitors, right? Mm-hmm. And that was, was, was really important. And conviction, like, uh, honestly, for me is what I say is what I mean. And I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure I deliver on my word. And that attracted a lot of people and artists as well as executives. So just being consistent and true, true to you is probably the easiest recipe for success. Right. And then um, what are some lessons that you think you learned as an executive that you didn't know um, kind of going into the process or at the beginning of your career that you actually think cascades down from an executive all the way to someone in the mailroom, something that you probably learned along the way where it was like, oh man, you know, if I had known this from the beginning or, you know, if I had, uh, you know, if this is something that I picked up a little bit earlier in my career, who knows how things would have gone. I, I guess what I'm trying to say is not necessarily anything that you regret, but stuff that you've learned at a very high level that you think could actually apply to multiple levels of the music industry be a student of the game early um, it would be my advice to anyone getting into the business if you're in if you're creative only and don't apply yourself to the business you're not going to make yourself a fully well-rounded individual in the music business even as an artist you need to know your business right and establishing your team and it doesn't mean you need to know each nuance of every aspect, but you should learn as much as possible, right? Know your deals, you know, understand your creative, know how the intricacies of, of, of the business works um, from top to bottom. So I would have definitely spent more time learning more about the business as a whole, um, mm. as opposed to learning about it in small bite-sized pieces. Right. 
Yeah, no, I love that. And when when you think about being a student of the game, and I mean having such incredible experiences, being able to work at a senior level across different labels, when you think about the, some of the different labels you did work with, what do you think was distinct relative to each label? Or I mean, thinking about like Def Jam versus Epic or Rock Nation. I mean, like when you think about those different companies, like what made each of them unique in in your time and your experience working there? The executive talent. Um, the, the executive talent. And what I mean by that is the A&R person, the marketing person, um, the publicist, um, the label's only as good as the people who work for them. And ultimately, the people who discover the talent are only one segment, just as well as the people who market it um, or, public, uh, or the publicist who expose it. The teams that work really well together were really successful. So that's the common threat. Yeah. Um, kind of going off of that, what do you think are the characteristics? You know, I, I asked you earlier in the conversation, what are some of the values that you learned along the way that have allowed you to sustain success for so long? What do you think are the characteristics of a high-performing team that allows a team to succeed, uh, to succeed for a long time? The simplest energy, man. You know, when, you, when you're able to do, I mean, if we want to stay in if you want a sports analogy, when you're able to run down the court and do a no-look pass, right? You don't have to right. see the person for them to score. And, and that's how it works when it's seamless um, in, a, in a label that's high-performing. Like, you don't necessarily have to speak about everything to know that they're going to deliver, right? So it's that comfort level. It's, it's, it's knowing that, you know, we are all in sync. Um, and the benefit for the artists and the success for the artists is, is paramount. And the labels that really understand that it's about the the artists in the business are the ones that are really successful. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Been on the uh, on both sides of the equation with regards to good teams, good and bad teams, and, and learning learning from both. Um, when it comes to the side of, uh, I mean, we'd love to hear about some of the specific like promotions. I know you mentioned a handful of different records. I know you played a strong role in kind of signing Future and uh, part of the development there. Can you speak? I mean, maybe it's Future, maybe it's another one, but I would love to hear just at a more kind of. Uh, granular level with regards to seeing an artist knowing there was something special and really helping develop that not only from the artistic side but also from like the promotional side to turning this from really great talent into uh, 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 a superstar if you will so it all starts with the artist right um anyone who's telling you that they're magical with a wand as an executive is is bs right it all starts with the talents the ingredients so once you identify that artist, let's, let's just stay with Future. Like Future was, was created to be who and what he was before he was ever discovered by, you know, the label or anyone who brought him there. So what the label was able to do is once you have that real substantive talent, you can just put gas on, right? And, and follow the blueprint of their vision on how they see themselves in their audience and in the world, right? And for us, it was it was it was very exciting to be a part of his progression and his growth. And me as a as a radio promotions guy to pro, to deliver one of the biggest records that he had, Mask Off, at the time, especially on the urban charts, was unparalleled to anybody else going from number five to number one with one thousand one hundred and seventeen spin increase, never done before. And that all starts with the artists and starts with the music, and then you get the talents from the executives to gas on. 
Yeah, right. I love that. When I mean, with regards to that song, I mean, it's funny too. Massoff has had a nice little uh, resurgence during COVID, and it's it's only the beginning. Once vaccinations really do reach critical mass, and everybody can actually have their mask <laughs> off, and so that, that song gonna make a major comeback. Um, with that, I, with, I agree. Yeah. With that said, uh, you you spoke to the increase in spins and and how massive of a record that truly became. From your perspective, what were some of the different like strategic levers that were pulled behind the scenes in order to really help propel that forward? It's all strategy. Um, if if you think about um, the increase as far as from the radio perspective, um, promotion staffs do an incredible job on defining the lane and the window, and when it's the best critical moment for a record to move, you know, either from ten to five to one, right? So that's great team teamwork and delivery. Um, the uh, publicity on him was massive, right? So, um, the and the music was intense. So the culmination of all of those elements and the people saying this is what we want makes it easy, right? I mean, you can always, you know, package it up and make it seem far greater than what it is. But what's most important is that you have artists with a hit song that the people love. It's really simple. <laughs> Right. That was actually, um, I worked for, uh, I was on Metro Boomin's management team actually at the time that that came out. I was an assistant at the time at the management company that I ended up being at for five years. And um, that was also, I was doing uh, Metro's uh, social media at the time. And that was also one of the first um, like viral meme campaigns I had seen for um, a song also in the way that it was. Because I I used to see a lot of people pretending like they were playing the flute when that song right. came on. Right. <laughs> and that and that like helped propel it. I, I can think so clearly when I used to live on the Lower East Side, it was like every five minutes I would hear that song. <laughs> like going down the street on full blast. Because people on the Lower East Side in New York, they just always are trying to play their music super loud and be super cool, especially on Ludlow Street, which is where I lived. And I can remember so vividly that song just like being on blast repeatedly in in the uh, in the summer. I think it came out in the spring. Got super hot in the summer. Um, so that's that's su- that's super interesting um, to kind of hear another perspective and another angle on how that song got kind of big. Um, I have a question that came up recently on a on a Clubhouse panel that we had that I kind of wanted to get your opinion on. Um, we, we talked to a couple of ARs about kind of what what they find intriguing about artists and, and and how they kind of decide to move forward with artists. And a few of them brought up this concept of star quality. But what was more interesting about them bringing that up is that they all sort of had different opinions on what that was so some of them were like you know when you walk in the room you know it's 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 the brand it's the energy that you feel when somebody's in a room some of it is you know you can just hear it on the record and some of it was kind of all of the above so I guess especially with somebody like Future who who to me the star quality is in addition to the music that he makes it's his brand you just want you just want to be associated with him as an artist what do you think defines star quality and do you look for that in the artists that you work with I would have to say it's it's definitely a mashup of of all of those elements, right? That genesis qua that that makes someone different, makes them different. You may hear it in their voice, right? Mm-hmm. The first time you hear the music, that unique tone that you go, "Wow," right? Or you mm-hmm. may see them when they 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 step in the room and they just illuminate, right? And you're like, "Whoa," right? Mm-hmm. And there might be a conversation of that swag and that voice that you can identify like there's something different about you and that if we're able to put the combination together, 
of moving your image and your voice, right? Sky's the limit. So I don't think is it, there's it's not a cookie cutter approach on thinking who is and who's not a star. Stars let you know who they are, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> is and and that's and that's very clear. When you meet a star, you know a star, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you're in the star identifying business, <laughs> right? <laughs> if you don't know what a star look like, then you sleep, right? <laughs> 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 we want to get into woke conversations now, right? Who woke and who's not, <laughs> right? You know a star, right. you see a star. You don't see stars and you sleep. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> nah, I love that. I mean, when you think about the, uh, what's another interesting thing too is, I mean, throughout your time in the industry, like the promotional mechanisms definitely evolved a lot. Uh, I mean, I think, um, I mean, social and digital has become uh, significantly more important, but I'm curious from your perspective, like what are some, or yeah, how, what significant evolutions have you seen and, and how have you tried to consistently like skate to where the puck is going and make sure you're kind of, uh, not getting lost operating based on how the industry used to operate, but instead are able to, to keep up and if anything, pro- like drive progress forward. Well, we talk about this a lot and, I would, I probably would say, like, I cut my bones in the music business doing radio, right? And it's a, it's a big debate on whether radio is still valuable or not, right? Mm-hmm. Um, of course, radio is valuable. It's just a different means of mechanism, a mechanism of, of, of exposing your artists, right? And it's just marketing now. Before, radio was a pure driver to break acts, right? And, and, mm-hmm. and with the advent of, you know, technology and social media and streaming platforms, it, it has a different element and slice on how you're going to use it. Your project might be something, you know what? You feel radio is very key in the beginning, i.e. it might be Mitchell, right? Or you may feel that, you know what? It's, it's coming off of the platforms, but it has no radio, so radio's going to finish it, right? Or you mm-hmm. might be an artist on where, guess what? Radio is a key component to your marketing, which we've seen that happen um, as well, we would, you know, you'd see great combinations with some of the um, stars that are here now, i.e. maybe, you know, the baby of Megan Estalia, who do extremely well in both, right? Their, their digital right. forces as well as their, you know, radio um, uh, driven with exposure as well. So it's, so it's, um, that key in watching that over the years has, has been, has, has, has been really strong. Right, right. Um, one thing that I've always been interested in and everyone in the music industry that works on the business side of it, I feel like has to kind of deal with this reality is that artists are artists and you can't rush art and artists ultimately have to be in a very vulnerable place to even make that music in the first place. But at the end of the day, the music business is just that it's a music business. Um, and I think you've seen that more explicitly than a lot of other people because you've been an executive for so long. So how do you kind of match the needs of the business? You know, the P&O, what profit looks like, uh, you know, fulfilling your shareholders' needs with giving artists the space that they need to creatively find themselves and to, and to be the success that they see in the, in the vision that they have for themselves. Well, you can't have a business without the artist and you can't rush the product, right? That's, that's like a self-fulfilling destiny for failure. So right. the best approach is to have um, a robust roster, right? So mm-hmm. you can allow people in the cycle an opportunity to create, right? So there isn't just the downward pressure on, you know, you have to come, we have to deliver. Doesn't mean that you're not, um, uh, there isn't conversations about a window when you might deliver pro- 
product, right? But there right. is no, you know, silver bullet on on knowing when the product's going to be done, right? You can't wish that in. You know, obviously, people create, and how they create is um, very important in the process. So, the labels that are successful are really tuned into the delivery process of their artists, right? And the repertoire on their label. So to know the cycles and 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 how they're actually producing and, and bringing the music in. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. So now that you now that you're diving into diverse media and, and building this up, I'm curious, like, what are various things that you're trying to be very? I mean, a if you could just kind of set the stage with exactly what you're setting out to do with this with the company, and then b like, what are some of the the different things you're trying to be very intentional about? Um, given all your experience, that you're really trying to embed deeply in the the DNA of this company as it grows. So what's really important for me is is working all my career at major labels, right? Um, outside of perspective, I've always been in a major. And what I've decided at this point in my life and my career, right, is to make sure that um, really taking each process and each step, right, carefully, right? So it's, so it's important for me on identifying talent, since since I'm funding and and investing right in myself that you know you don't you want to have more hits than misses so I saw an incredible artist who I who I think she is the next coming her name is uh, Paris Gatlin out of Jackson Mississippi but she has a very unique tone like we were just talking about stars right she has a very unique look she's um she carries herself on uh, unlike any other artist that I've seen in the last four or five years, and her voice is 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 over over the top. So being able to curate her from top to bottom on what we were just discussing, um, not not uh, from just the business aspect, but being all the way in, making sure that each piece when we come to market is all the way done, and that's what I want to curate with my business is making sure that when an artist comes to my label, that they get the full attention. So, you know, the balance of how many I can actually do um, on the frontline perspective is is what's going to be, um, you know, very, very particular on, on how I look at that. And then the other aspect, which will be the commerce end of it, is, you know, we also do um, distribution. So I can offer a distribution deal and, and have that conversation um, as well and provide services for artists that we have a couple artists that we've um, we've already uh, brought on board and have um, done some interesting um, business with as, as well. Right, right. Speaking of, you know, what you're sort of intentional about with this next venture, and I, you know, I don't want you to, to reveal all the sauce and, and give out all the secrets, mm-hmm. but um, how do you think that manifests itself in the way that you approach and sign artists and, and, and what that process was like versus when you were working in a, in a major label system? So the last, the last positions that I was in, it was very important on, if you look at the average, right? It's, if you think about what distribution is now, what you know, um, people are looking to on the platforms and how the new wave A&R is being done, right? It's, it's almost like penny stocks, Right. Like you look at what's moving, you grab it. Right. And hopefully right. it develops, but you catch it early because the return, if it breaks, yo, you've done amazing business. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so at, at this level now I can actually jump in and if I catch it, then it's gone. So 
uh, and there's no red tape. So I don't have to ask right. anyone if, if they approve or disapprove, disapprove because it doesn't sound like what you're used to hearing, doesn't look what you're used to seeing. Hit music is hit music, right? It may not be particularly for me, but if there's an audience, then it's uh, something that's for the masses. And yeah, yeah. That taking taking the whole bureaucracy out of of now signing is what's most exciting to me. Like, you know, what the people like is what I like. Yeah, for sure. No, I love that. I mean, one thing you alluded to. I mean, the, the bureaucracy, the red tape. I think it's kind of a necessary evil within majors and corporations in general i think as you get to a certain scale there just needs to be uh, a hierarchy in order to operate efficiently and with with hierarchy comes ego and with ego comes politics so in your experience in in, in navigating that political system the, the bureaucracy well and getting to the the senior levels can you speak to that process of quote unquote like politicking if you will or like how you were able to navigate within the red tape because I, I think some people um like that is a necessary skill to rise the ranks in those environments. So I'm curious from your perspective, like building internal alliances and, and, and just how you were able to float well and almost kind of rise to the top, if you will, within these large organizations. You know, it's so different than any other business. Uh, it's the business that we're all uh, accustomed to and been a part of and, and, you know, has birthed us. But prior to getting to the music business, I might have had 22 jobs, Right. So it's, it's really about the individual and your goals, right? And, and by meaning your goals is knowing what each opportunity represents and how to move to the top of the class in each opportunity, right? That's IE politics, knowing who to talk to, knowing when to be in the right place, knowing how to respond and also back to the beginning of this conversation, realizing you have to put in a lot of hard work, right? Ultimately, yep. people are, if, if, in order to move up, you have to have benefit, right? You have to bring something to the organization. Yeah, there are always going to be people who you go, how did they get that job, right? That's <laughs> not everybody, <laughs> right. right? That's, you can't run a corporation with all your cousins, friends, and you can't do that, right? <laughs> so, so ultimately, it just comes down to realizing is being prepared always, um, and 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 also knowing that everyone's not going to agree with you. But how do how are you now going to be heard, right? How are you now going to represent your points, right? How studied are you? How are you able to now you know move people to what you believe and what's needed through your passion? as well as your delivery. Right, right. Um, you know, you you brought up benefit. And one thing that we actually talked about recently on the podcast is uh, the value exchange that you bring to every relationship. Um, obviously, people are going to help you, um, you know, when they see fit as it, as it pertains to doing things for free, so to speak, where they don't get any value out of, out of uh, you know, your relationship with them. But I'm also wondering at your, at your level, what does that value exchange look like when you network with people, when you, uh, you know, are want to get in business with people? Because that's, that's at a, such a high level of, of exchange. You know, what what does that what does the beginning of, of, you know, networking with executives look like? You know, so for me, it's always been transparency. Right. I, I'm, I'm not a guy that's just going to 
call one time to uh, pretend that I don't want anything, right? But the reason why I'm calling <laughs> is because I want something, right? right? So, so, so I guess my thing was always about you. Always knew what I, you always knew who I am and what I want and what I stood for, and that that has been my mantra from day one to now having this discussion with you guys. So whatever works for you, right, is going to be mm-hmm. the driver of you. So for me, it's it's always about transparency. So if I'm not changing and I'm core to who I am, obviously you have to modify. You know, we all evolve, right? Isn't that the popular thing, right? We evolve, mm-hmm. right? And the word, so people are, will become accustomed to that, but you just can't be radical. You can't be one person today and then someone totally different tomorrow, then you've been a fake, right? Mm-hmm. So, so ideally what uh, you hope is that, you know, your value system is what, um, has moved you forward and that people believe who and what you are and what you say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I love that. When you think through the, the notion of, uh, how, like on the subject of like evolution, I mean, beyond personal evolution, which you were just alluding to on the subject of like industry evolution and how record labels in the industry as a whole has evolved. What do you think are, are the most important roles that record labels play today if they want to operate at an elite level? Record labels are, bar none, um, finishers. So labels still make superstars. There are very few independent artists that make themselves superstars, right? So the value of the label is now that if you're able to gin up some success, whether it's streaming, marketing, uh, writing, however you come to the label, um, you're there now knowing that there is a core uh, body of people that have done this over and over and over and over again that can give you the best shot to being a star that you probably can't do on your own. It's teamwork once again. So it's it's no different than going to a bank, right? Um, buying a home for the first time. The reason why you're probably not going to get the best interest rate is because that guy or woman across the table from you is seeing 3,000 people like you. So they know every ins and out of every option, everything that you're about to say, they already have a response to it, right? Because they're professionals. So why would you now not think as an artist, you know what? I've done an amazing job for myself to get to this point, but I want professionals to take me home. So labels will always be in that position because they have the big relationships. Right, right. What are some, uh, speaking of labels, what do you think are some potential pluses um, to, to independent labels as well and kind of the way that they move? And, and um, I guess, you know, now that you yourself are an independent distributor, I guess, what is the, uh, what, what's the what's the opposite side of the coin look like? And what are some of the pluses of the minuses there? It's a beautiful time in music because there's choices, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you can stay as you can stay in indie and keep as much control as long as you choose if 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 you're able to create a business for yourself right and ultimately whether you're indie or with a label you have to have that value in the marketplace which is most important holding is from an independent label having the control to do it the way you want and define it how you want is probably um really important for me at this space in in my career and sign an artist myself is that we can act, we can actually now hone the vision uninterrupted and, and now take it to market to see if it works at the pace and speed that we choose to. Right. Right. 
Yeah, that makes total sense. That makes total sense. Um, yeah, I think, you know, this has been a, a super informative interview for a lot of people. I, I think that one thing that I find uh, ultra inspiring is, uh, you know, interviewing executives. I think you've had a long career as an executive, which is a super interesting perspective to come from, because uh, obviously there are a good amount of people in this podcast that have uh, a lot of experience, but experience as an executive is like an entirely different perspective. I, I guess I do have one more question surrounding that experience. Um, I, I know what it's like as a, as a day-to-day to be not an executive. Um, you know, I know what it's like to work under people. I know what it's like to have a boss. I know what it's like to uh, fulfill value as an employee. What are some, what, what is the, I guess, day-to-day like at the executive level and how, and I, you know, this is what I assume that that level is more high level conversations, um, big decisions, decisions that move the needle probably more in one conversation than somebody may at a lower level would in an entire week or year or, or day, what have you. But, you know, when you're at a major, what are some of the conversations that you have on a day-to-day basis to kind of move that needle? And what does it look like at, at such a high level? Planning is important, right? So if you mm-hmm. think about when you come back from at the end of the year, depending on when your fiscal, right? I mean, how you end your books, right? Whether it's a mm-hmm. calendar year or a fiscal year, right? What's most important is looking at the business um, 12 months, 24 months, 36 months. Back to what mm-hmm. we were talking about on how you're releasing releasing uh, your product. And in doing so, it's the business again, right? Understanding how you're going to look at if you have a boom or if, you have bus, right? And mm-hmm. ultimately, a lot of the conversations are always about that. How are we going to succeed? Right? And mm-hmm. the functionality of the team, you know, are, are we performing at the best level that we are or do we need to make changes, right? Mm-hmm. Are we, um, is this a signing year for us? What mm-hmm. does our repertoire look like, right? How does our executive mm-hmm. talent pool, should we be looking for new folks? Those are hard, real decisions because these are, you know, these are real life decisions that can ultimately change people's lives and that the staff is have the staff is engaged. Right. People have to have fun going to work. People have to have passion and that, you know, they believe what we believe and, and keeping the morale high was always a part of the organizations that I've worked, worked for was keeping the morale because the people who do the day to day are really, really important. Right. What's what's you know what's the purpose of of thinking and you know um, having going to the airport if there's nobody to put the luggage on the planes, right? The pilot is dope, like he's the big he or she's the big person, but you know what? Without that guy that stands like this, (laughs) 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 you know, (laughs) right? Like all the accolades, you Scully. That means nothing. You can't take off. Right, so right. <laughs> you have to give back to the people who come in and aren't recognized day in and day out for the work that they do, because what they do is so important for the overall organization, and and that's part of of what uh, you know I convey for the people that work with me currently and the people that have worked for me in in the past. So um, it's not as complex as it seems. Is is making sure that everyone's happy from the talent to the staff. 
Right. Awesome. Well, we'll end on that note, man. Benny Pugh, thank you so much. This has been such an informative interview. Um, I'm, like I said, you know, we're, we're super glad to get somebody on who not only has as much experience, but uh, experience at the executive level. And I think a lot of people will, will learn and find this super aspirational and inspirational in order to get to that level, too. Thank you. Thank you, Benny. Cheers, man. All right. Have a good one. Man, well, that was a great episode. I really enjoyed hearing what Benny had to say. I think his perspective on uh, longevity and then kind of uh, some of the elements of, of character and high-performance teams. I thought those were a lot of very valuable foundational principles to operate at the, the levels he was operating at throughout his career. What do you think, Jordan? Yeah, man. I mean, you could tell you were speaking to an executive when you spoke to him. You know, he had a lot of conviction in that episode. Like he said, you kind of need in order to rise the ranks of the music industry. Um, he gave everything in a concise but clear way. Um, and definitely, definitely walking away with this with, you know, advice on how to be a great executive, but also how to rise the ranks. And one thing that I liked a lot, a lot, a lot was that he said to be a student of the game. Um, I think that's something that I'm learning every day is to make sure that I read news sources on what's happening in the music business, reading about the areas of the music industry I may not be in at the moment, um, and just trying to, you know, know my way around the industry from as many angles as possible because, you know, you can't see around the corner if you don't know the block. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I just made that up. But hey, y'all know I'm talking about. <laughs> y'all know I'm talking about. I got a couple more for you. You can't see it. No, I'm kidding. All right, so, and that's it for this week's episode. We got <laughs> to cut this man before it gets too loose. But uh, appreciate all y'all for tuning in as always. We'll be all back guys. next week. Peace.